Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, for this week's industry review, we're going to take a look at the profession that everybody will use in their lives uh, for things like buying houses, writing wills, or maybe even a divorce. I'm talking, of course, about solicitors. I'm delighted to be joined by three solicitors. Uh, My first guest is Keith Walsh. He's a family law solicitor uh, with Keith Keith Walsh Solicitors. They're based in Dublin 2 and Dublin 12. Also joining us is Vanessa Byrne. She's a partner and co-head of the real estate team with Mason Hazen Kern down there in Barrow Street and all the way from Swinford in County Mayo. We're delighted to be joined by Michael Smith, who specialises in commercial property, commercial and company law, as well as wills, estate planning, all at FG Feeling and Company Solicitors. So welcome one and all and uh, lovely to have a, a group of legal people with us here today. So I'm very comfortable. Keith, we might start with you. Uh, tell us a little bit about you and your route to the business. How did you become a solicitor? Uh, and tell us a little bit about the practice. Um, well, I'm in practice 25 years. I became a solicitor. Um, I studied law in Galway and UCG and I started doing a commerce degree and that allowed you to get into law. Um, and after that, I took a slightly circuitous route. I worked in London for a couple of years in recruitment and teaching. And I came back to Ireland in the about 97 And Ireland in 97 had changed completely from when I left it only two or three years previously. Things were booming and if you wanted to be a solicitor, it was actually quite easy to do it, whereas even two or three years previously, it was difficult. So there were quite a lot of opportunities to get into the profession, which hadn't been there really until then because of the huge uh, economic expansion. Expansion. So I was lucky enough to get in with the Legal Aid Board, which does family law initially as a law clerk. And then I got a traineeship with a general practice firm. And uh, I ultimately went into partnership in the firm and uh, my partner retired. And I've run that firm since. But in the last 10 years, I've specialised in separation and divorce work. And that's been a huge change um, in terms of the practice, because it means that you, you get very well known um, it's far more challenging as, as a solicitor, I find, if you specialise, um, but you also have the backup of having done a bit of everything. So okay. from that point of view, I, I think it's something I'd encourage other solicitors to do or people interested in the profession is get a broad range, first of all, find out what you like doing, and then if you can, to specialise in it. And currently is a very good time for anyone who wants to be a solicitor to get into the profession because we're crying out for good graduates is that right? uh, to come in. So it's a very good time. Which neat. Brings me neatly on to Vanessa Byrne. She's a partner and co-head of the real estate team with Mason Hayes and Kern, but she also looks after the graduate programme there. Vanessa, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks, Bobby. Um, yeah, actually, the, the trainee and intern programme is a really interesting lens to look at the um, the profession through, I think. I, I'm similar vintage to Keith, actually. I'm kind of, I think, 26 years qualified as a solicitor. And I qualified in uh, Belfast, actually. I did my law degree up in Queen's, but I moved to Dublin in 1997 when that boom time and it was a great time to become uh, a solicitor in Dublin. And I'm actually still really great <clears throat> friends with many of the people that I trained, you know, that I yeah. did those kind of first years with. I think that's a big part of the practice that maybe people don't kind of fully appreciate that in the larger law firms, like Mason Hayes is one of the, the top four law firms in the country in terms of size. We have 600 people in the office. It's a huge, there's a huge social benefit, you know, like you really make friends for life. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, 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 you're toiling, you know, by, by day sometimes over you know difficult concepts but you're actually you know very supportive of one another and it's something that I really emphasise to the trainees. And just to talk again about the trainees the people who are coming into the Mm. business today 
Are they all, do most of them come from the same root? As in it's quite law broad. and college yeah. and then in, and or the, do people come a different way, like even the way uh, Keith described his own experience there? Yeah, well, we, I mean, we actually really look for diversity. I think that's definitely something that you have to, you know, be cognizant of so that we're not all hiring um, sames as ourselves, and you know, because that actually does lead to groupthink and that's bad for any client, you know, who's going to get a, a narrow kind of tunnel of advice. So we would hire people who have backgrounds in all sorts um, of, you know, academic backgrounds. It wouldn't necessarily be purely law. It's probably fair to say that doing a law degree makes it easier to pass the entrance exams to get into the law society, which is, they're called the first, the FE1 exams, which are... Which are essential to be... They're essential to get into to Blackhall Place, the okay. law society training um, for solicitors. So doing that law degree kind of probably makes that a slightly easier route. But I know plenty of people in, you know, who are partners of mine in Mason Hayes who maybe did a, you know, an arts degree or, you know, a business degree... Yeah. And came that route. And you yourself specialise in commercial property, Vanessa. In in big firms like Mason Hayes, is there is that really ultimately what happens? That you become, you know, the Department of Commercial Law or Family Law or Litigation or whatever there it is. is. Yeah, and that's I, where your career stays. As a trainee, mm. you do a broad range of things, and I think what we allow people to do is to kind of direct themselves as to the areas that they're interested in. We definitely don't try and shoehorn anybody into doing an area that they're not interested in. And I myself was always interested in history and um, you know, therefore, for some reason, the kind of the old conveyancing stuff appealed to me, reading old deeds. Now, the kind of stuff I do now is so far away from that, you know, but and actually that I think is something that I think um, Michael and Keith will probably agree with me. The kind of work I was doing 25 years ago is so different to what I'm doing now. Like the profession has changed so much, okay. but also the nature of, you know, your progression through a law firm, you know, as an owner or, you know, as a, a business leader or a manager of people, it. It, it's never dull. You know, when I think of the the old deeds that I read 25 years ago, I still like to read them occasionally now. But a lot of what I'm doing is actually leading, you know, teams and project managing big, you know, transactions and problem solving, which are probably very transferable skills yeah. you know, across a different range of things. Uh, let's bring in our third guest uh, who's been waiting patiently there for an introduction, Michael Smith. He specialises in commercial property, commercial and company law. Uh, wills, estate planning, etc., all at FG Phelan. Uh, Michael, we're interested in you and your route into the profession and a little bit about your current business. Sure. Um, thanks, Bobby. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Keith. Um, just, I, I suppose I, too, was a, a graduate of NUIG, uh, law degree there, and I did a master's in corporate finance in UCD. Uh, at that time, I was uh, an officer in the Defence Forces, so I, I probably had an option. I, I was looking probably to stay on the Defence Forces, but at that time, solicitors weren't permitted to enter the legal ranks. It was all barristers, so uh, subsequently that's changed. But in any event, I had to make a choice whether I was going to stay on or leave, so I decided to leave then and, and pursue a career in law. Um, I, I suppose I always had an interest on, in law, and I, I, uh, I wanted to try and... Uh, carve out another career so when I left the Defence Forces I didn't look back I intended to go on to London because I'd done a Master's in Corporate Finance in UCD but I came home for the weekend and I found myself hanging around a bit longer than I anticipated back in Swindon where I'm from um, my family had a business back there so I, I had that business background and I, I was probably anxious to try and get back into business myself and an opportunity arose and I, and I bought this firm here FG Fielding which I've subsequently rebranded as Westlex Listers LLP so we've gone, just gone completed a rebranding process Sorry, give um, us that name again, Michael. Can you Westlex add? Solicitors. 
Yeah, yeah, Westlex, W-E-S-T-L-E-X, Solicitors LLP. So a lot of firms have rebranded recently, I suppose, uh, for lots of different reasons, but we've completed that process, so we're, we're entering a new phase. And um, we have small enough practice. I suppose the difference between ourselves and Mason Hills and Curran would be, we, while we might be involved in commercial law and company and, company and corporate uh, law, the, the scalability of transactions is, is a massive difference and the level of coverage. Does that, that mean your fees are smaller, Michael? Well, I suppose <laughs> we, all, we, all, <laughs> we all charge, we all like to set our, set our rates by the hour, but I suppose <laughs> negotiations of fees is, is something that uh, is, is always uh, close to our hearts because and I've, I've, I've a principle, I suppose, within the, the, the structure. You have to be all constantly um, you know, billing and collecting because I, we've 10 staff here in, in the practice and it, it's a constant battle to try and, 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 and manage that. And I suppose I spend, as managing partner, I spend a lot, about 30, 35% of my time in that process of managing fees and managing the yeah. HR job. And it's, it's a diverse, it's a diverse kind of job. So I, I, I have to do my main work as well. So I suppose, look, I, I, I've come in, to, I've been here in practice for 18 years. Um, it's changed as a, as Vanessa was saying, it's changed an awful lot in that time uh, from when I started out to where we are today. I mean, the 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 advent of uh, you know social media and uh, the, the our proximity to the client now with with regard to to access is is simply unbelievable. And you know, clients are demanding, and we we have to meet that challenge. We're service providers at the end of the day, and that's always something that we are constantly reviewing and looking at. Yeah, uh, Michael, when we talk about uh, or sorry, Keith, when we talk about technology there uh, in your own field of of family and divorce law where has t- technology actually impacted your day-to-day work well it, it's it's impacted it particularly in terms of the client contact the clients can reach you quite a number of hours of the day whereas previously uh, it wasn't as easy uh, it impacted particularly post covid in terms of we'd have a, a, an international range of clients um, all around europe and some in the states who can contact us via zoom so it's much easier to have an international client base in terms of the Courts. Some of the courts uh, went remote. Some are still a little bit remote um, in terms of dealing with them. So that that's one area of it. Another area is in terms of um, being able to process work. The, the assistance that you get from technology is fantastic in terms of um, just computer programs, case management programs. There's huge opportunities to increase efficiencies in terms of clients communicating with us by email. We can get a huge amount of of, of information. Um, so they're the kind of the the main ways we haven't quite uh, got the the discovery and the artificial intelligence up and running yet in family law and again the courts are still paper based which is a huge issue for us in terms yeah. of we, we might be dealing with everything online with our clients but the courts for family law are still paper based so we end up bringing in boxes and boxes Yeah of that's always amazes me what about your thoughts on that Vanessa? Um, Technology has been transformative um, particularly in the last 10 years I think when I think when I started um, in a solicitor's office first I didn't even have my own computer. You know, we had to dictate on little cassettes and send them out yeah. to the secretary. Um, whereas now, I think obviously we were all, you know, the the COVID um, time as in law firms, we didn't know how it was going to impact us, but actually it has really pushed forward the, you know, embracing technology hugely. And like conveyancing is something that traditionally would have been seen as, you know, not something that was really, you know, benefiting from, from the advances in technology um, as quickly as it needed to. 
But in fact, you know, representations were made at government level to the necessary institutions to enable the business of conveyancing to continue throughout the the closure period. And that has continued now post-COVID where there's huge efficiencies. We, I, I mean, the downside is I rarely have meetings with colleagues from other firms anymore because we can do so much remotely. We don't need to do, we don't need to close transactions physically is, in the same that, room. Is that a threat in any way to the business model? I don't think so. I mean, I think we actually have a particular unit which is focused on artificial intelligence, AI, and how what it will mean in terms of it will actually create a whole load of um, you know, legal conundrums for people to think about. So they'll just end up doing different work. I think Is that's that, right. I mean, I think yeah. we'll probably end up hopefully doing the higher quality, um, you know, human work will will always need to be done and some it will take away some of the process and some of the more laborious elements. I think certainly we've seen it in some of the very large transactions that might involve thousands of properties transferring from one bank to another, for example. And the ability to use artificial intelligence to kind of scan some of that documentation, like say loan documentation, you know, for people's houses and so on, that thinks, you know, that to avoid solicitors having to spend hours and hours and hours, think of the costs that go into that, yeah. you know, reading what are very, um, you know, similar documentation that literally just has, you know, a change of name on them, you know, if it's very standardised. Yeah. So AI can really assist with, um, you know, taking out some of that laborious kind of uh, time that costs clients money um, and really actually is not fun for the lawyers to do either, you know. So we really, you know, we want to use the brain power. Like really our people are such a huge resource for us and, and they want to be doing interesting, impactful work that makes it, you know, that makes a difference. And, yeah. you know, that laborious stuff doesn't feel like it makes a difference. Uh, Michael, just back to you. Um, you, you mentioned there about uh, the new, uh, the new brand and the new dawn in your in your business. Is there a trend around practices such as your own? Uh, we've seen it with vets. We've seen it with dentists uh, selling out to venture capital based uh, companies or companies that are maybe from the UK that are VC backed. Is that the scenario uh, that you found yourself in? Yeah, well, I suppose, look, at. I think a, a lot of um, firms have looked at their brand and their brand is a value. And when you go to the marketing side of your business, it's important to promote your brand. And um, a lot of, say, if the old, I suppose, if you have a firm where maybe five different surnames or four or five different surnames in it, it probably, it probably says to that person that maybe you're an older style or something you know that sometimes that can be the case where a lot of firms have said look we've switched away from the name we've gone for a brand and we're going to focus on that brand and sell the brand um as regards look at, at the value of a practice and maybe you know there's been a lot of mergers in the area a lot of the uk firms are coming in and particularly into, into dublin i'm sure um vanessa will notice that there's a lot of uk firms have moved into the space and partners from different firms there's been a lot of, of uh uh, a reshuffle, so to speak, amongst partners within different Irish firms that moved into the English firms. I suppose down in the West, it's um, it's a different type of business and a different type of model. I suppose we're we're serve, we're catering for uh, a scale of transaction that is much smaller. Uh, our clients are the businesses are much smaller, and I suppose when clients scale up, they move obviously into the area of um, practices that can service provide the service to them. So I suppose we're always conscious of the scalability of the transactions and the service. And obviously, we're all conscious of have we the cover to, to in place with our professional indemnity yeah. around any transactions that we're doing. 
so, so really what you're saying is in a practice such as your own, you probably have to be more of a generalist given the people that you represent and their businesses, uh, the scale and size. So so, so there's a, probably a, a, a breadth of expertise uh, across your business. Yes, and I suppose we have four solicitors and they would have, I suppose, individually have areas of law uh, that would be classified as general practice and we would cater for, uh, I suppose, a broad church of clients uh, that would have differing needs. But I, I suppose it, it's, uh, I suppose in the corporate side of it, it, your relationships are just as important. But I suppose at an individual level, we're, we're very much focused on, uh, it's very much a journey. Um, and, you know, that whole rapport and relationship that you build with the client is, is really important to us. Uh, yeah. And I suppose, like all relationships, it's very much built around trust and uh, we have to endear and earn that trust. Yeah. And it's a people business like many others. Uh, Keith, yeah. when, we, when we go back to your own specialty, uh, being uh, family law and divorce uh, work, I, I know recently that the number of divorces and particularly high-end divorces, uh, there was some publication uh, out a couple of weeks ago that said that, that the uh, million-plus uh, um, amount of separations in this country has increased uh, significantly. I presume that augurs well for your sector and your business. Well, I suppose or it does. It, it, well, it, it it does in terms of the the volume of of clients has increased since about two thousand and eighteen onwards. And then COVID was disastrous for relationships generally and for marriage. And what what we saw was a huge amount of inquiries that are only now turning into cases. We'll say from twenty twenty onwards. So, Is that right? Yeah. So I, from a from a, a a marriage point of view and relationships was a huge amount of strain, remote working, all of the things. So I think that is yet to come out and. Um, some of it is reflected in the the figures that came out were for 2022 and 2021, but I I think we're going to see a, a further increase. The, the 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 only positive about the, the marriage breakdown figures are that when I started doing divorce work 15 or 20 years ago, there was still a stigma attached to separation or divorce, whereas now. The good thing is people, there's no great issue for people. They're not ashamed to tell their friends or family. Yeah. Uh, they were ashamed to have it even on a bank statement that they were paying a family law solicitor. That's, thankfully, that's gone. So yeah. I think as a society, we're a lot more open and there is going to be maybe more marriage breakdown because people maybe are a bit more straightforward or honest about it and are saying, OK, look, the marriage is over. We're not staying together simply because of, of social issues or, or we feel pressurised to do so. So hopefully... There is some positive to it, but sure. in, in terms of the bigger money cases, which is the, the High Court, which is, is three million plus, they fell incredibly after 2008. There was a, a very significant number of those pre, pre-Celtic pre Tiger or during the Celtic Tiger. It's only now really recovering those numbers because the number of people... Um, uh, with significant wealth uh, separating or divorced an awful lot of them who had property assets they simply weren't in a position to separate because an awful lot of them were underwater or were involved with NAMA so we're seeing some of those and I suppose what I'm surprised to see is the, the huge variety of ways that people generate wealth and, and, and as a family lawyer you see that um, we'll say tech companies are a huge generator of wealth um, people who are employed by American companies where there's share um, option schemes they, people 
people can generate very significant yeah. uh, savings. Whereas, we'll say, when I was doing the work during the Celtic Tiger, it was primarily property based. Uh, but uh, there, there seems to, people seem to have a lot more savings than okay. they had before. So there's a lot of positives in terms of, of the economic climate. And we, we might f- finish with your uh, area of expertise, Vanessa, which is uh, commercial property. And again, it's interesting to hear Keith talk there about how things change, everybody working from home, different dynamics here in the city now with regards to commercial property have probably all influenced your business. Very much so. And I think... We've really seen an internationalisation of the the commercial property world over the last 10 years. I think a lot of, back in um, 2005, 6, 7, 8, a lot of that was Irish banks lending to Irish developers, um, whereas obviously that has changed completely now. And a lot of the money that has been invested in commercial property in the last five or six, seven years has come from international sources. And I think our economic performance as a country has, you know, really does tick boxes internationally. And we will find that where you have a big pension fund or a big investor, you know, on a European scale or on a world scale even, that they will want a piece of Irish property in their portfolio yeah. because we have such strong demographics in terms of our growing population and the growth of Dublin. The, you know, while we do have a property crisis in terms of actually meeting the housing needs of our population, you know, that is actually in some ways a product of success in terms yeah. of that we haven't caught up with the, the backlog. But the the demographics are so strong, the economic factors are all so positive that we will, con- you know, w- once this interest rate um, situation kind of resolves itself internationally, then I think that we will see commercial property tick back up in terms of interest from foreign capital. And very, maybe very last word to you, Michael Smith. Uh, I know that uh, wills and estate planning are part of your uh, repertoire. Um, the percentage of Irish people who don't have a will is still really, really high, isn't it? It is. And, you know, I always, you know, I suppose people generally come in to make a will, I find, when they're heading off the holidays, they're, they're of a certain generation. And it's kind of a, a last-minute reassurance, I suppose. But, you know, the, really... It's people, once they get married, really should be focused on the will and particularly if they have children. You know, yeah. we've all seen in the past where, you know, things can go very wrong for a family and uh, in the event that there's, you know, children left, uh, who, who who takes over the guardianship, who who takes responsibility, who, is the, who are the trustees that be appointed. We should all be planning really for that uh, event, planning for, but it's, you know, it's highly unlikely. But at the same time, People have to make that investment in it and get the advice. Uh, I always say, you know, that, that making a will is a really important document, uh, no matter what age you are, or what your profile is, uh, and that it gives certainty to you and to your family and to your loved ones, or, um, and uh, as well as brings, a, a bring, a gives you a certain sense of, of comfort that that it things if something ever happened to you that it's there and it's okay. done. Well, listen, we'll end on that. I'd like to thank my three guests uh, letting us into their world of of family law, uh, property law, and indeed uh, general commercial and estate planning. Um, Keith Walsh, Vanessa Byrne, and indeed Michael Smith. Thank you all for joining us this morning. Thank you. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.